Welcome to the Social Work Social Podcast. My name is Melanie Matthews, and I'm a registered social worker, as well as the host of this podcast. Today's episode is going to look a little bit different than our normal interview with a social worker or allied professional, but it won't be a complete departure from the message of this podcast overall. I'm going to speak about a project I've been working on that I'm really excited about, which is contributing a chapter to a collaborative book, and how this is connected to my non-traditional understanding of advocacy. This is a deeply personal episode for me, and I'm going to do my best to be as open and vulnerable as all of my interview guests have been. There's a mild trigger warning for mentions of abuse, addictions, and workplace violence. First, a bit about me, since I haven't spoken a lot about myself since Season 1. I currently live and work in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I operate a private practice where I offer psychotherapy services to adults, and I also work as a consultant doing research, evaluation, and grant writing for nonprofits. I started this podcast because I felt like social work was a really misunderstood profession. Anytime I would tell someone that I was a social worker, I was often met with a lot of assumptions about what I do and what my motivations were for working in this role. Many times when I've told people that I'm a social worker, they've assumed that I work in child welfare, and they either praise me for how selfless and wonderful I am for doing that work, or they regard me with suspicion if they've had a negative experience with a social worker in the past. The truth is, I'm not a child protection worker, and I'm also not a truly selfless altruistic person. I just have what social workers and other professionals refer to as a lot of lived experience. Basically, lived experiences is just the experience a person has had during their life and what knowledge they've gained from those experiences. When we talk about lived experiences, we're usually talking about a negative or traumatic experience. Many social workers or other helping professionals are in their roles because of some sort of lived experience or because they've been impacted by another person's lived experience. Generally speaking, a frontline social worker doesn't make a whole lot of money, so you won't find many of us in our roles because we're hoping to get rich. For me, one of the biggest reasons I became a social worker was because of my lived experience. At points in my life, I've experienced poverty, homelessness, addiction, and abuse. These experiences have had a lasting impact on me and continue to affect the way I understand and interact with the world and within my relationships with other people. That might sound really awful, you'd be at least partially right if that's what you were just thinking. However, these experiences have also given me insight into who I am as a person and who I want to be. They've helped me to better understand and empathize with people who are also going through challenging times in their lives. I firmly believe that my lived experience has made me a better social worker. You can hear more about my story in Season 1, Episode 1, where I talk a bit more about my experiences and how they led me to social work. In this episode, I'm going to speak more about my views on advocacy, as well as a project I've been working on for the past few months and how those two things are linked. I made the decision in November of 2020 that I was ready to share more of my story than I have before in a collaborative book written with an incredible group of Canadian women. The experience has been totally unique and I'm so excited to talk about the meaning that this project has had in my life. As I said, I operate a private practice and I work as a consultant doing research evaluation and grant writing. If I had to estimate, I'd say I spend about 25% of my time doing clinical work and about 75% of my time doing consulting work. For me, an essential part of being a social worker is advocacy, so that's something I also try to incorporate into my work. 
Don't get me wrong, frontline work is amazing, and I've loved the time I've spent doing that work. I started my career working in elementary schools and then transitioned into more mental health focused roles. I've had experience working in educational settings from elementary schools all the way to universities. I've worked in community mental health treatment, private mental health treatment, and for a few not-for-profits. I've met some incredible frontline workers who achieve amazing things in the community along the way. Especially now during the pandemic, we all need to acknowledge the importance of the work that frontline workers do. Our society literally cannot function without doctors, nurses, teachers, educational assistants, personal support workers, addictions workers, and frontline social workers, among many others. Frontline work has always been pretty undervalued, both in terms of pay and in how frontline workers are viewed by others. The work is often dismissed as easy or something that anyone can do. I've heard some pretty terrible things about how, for example, educational assistants are just babysitting, or personal support workers only exist to wipe people's butts. However, I've watched educational assistants make huge differences in neurodiverse children's lives by supporting them to learn in ways that work for their unique brains, rather than forcing them to conform to a flawed education system. I've seen these same educational assistants get kicked and punched by students experiencing mental health and behavioral issues, but instead of becoming angry or giving up, they continue to offer care, compassion, and support to the students. I've also seen personal support workers who go above and beyond to make sure that their clients are healthy and safe. They provide more than just basic hygiene care, and the difference they make by being there for clients can be the difference between life and death for someone who has no one else in their life to support them. Give these people a raise. They deserve it. My work, though, has transitioned away from frontline and into more advocacy and behind-the-scenes supporting roles. Advocacy is any activity that's carried out to influence decisions. These decisions could be made at the organizational level in social service agencies or at any level of government to influence policy creation and changes. Advocacy can include many different activities from publishing reports or giving speeches to social media campaigns to petitions or protests and many other activities. Advocacy and social work often serves as a way to try to influence decision makers to provide more equitable access to resources and justice for groups who are marginalized or disadvantaged in some way. The consulting work I do mainly involves helping organizations look critically at the work they do, determine how successful that work is, and then present findings to stakeholders to say why different communities and populations benefit from this work. By presenting evidence this way, I'm able to advocate for organizations to have the resources they need to continue doing amazing work, as well as influence the way that marginalized populations are served and increase the resources available to these populations. I see the advocacy I do as primarily a way to support frontline workers to have the tools and resources they need to perform their roles effectively. In the course of this work, both as a clinician and as an advocate, I'm in the public eye quite a bit. My name and photo are on a lot of websites. I do quite a few presentations and a lot of public speaking. Even on this podcast, you might not be able to see me, but my face is all over social media. I used to try to hide my personal experiences when speaking as a professional, but determined that doing so was both impossible and undesirable. It's impossible to hide who I am because my experiences and my story have impacted everything in my life and how I understand the world, the way I carry myself, the way I speak, my political views and opinions are all shaped by my experiences. 
They color everything I think and do. Also, I have a neck tattoo. There's nothing inherently wrong with neck tattoos. Personally, I love mine, and I've seen many that look amazing on other people. That said, tattoos may be becoming more mainstream and acceptable than they used to be, but you still won't find many people who have tattoos above their shoulders because having tattoos that can't be hidden in a professional environment is still something that's generally frowned upon. That's of course not the case for all workplaces, or I wouldn't be able to get a job, but we're speaking broadly here about overall societal acceptance. I got a tattoo on my neck at a time when I assumed I would never have a career, so it really didn't matter to me what people would think of me in a professional environment. Keep in mind, it was also over 10 years ago now that I got that particular tattoo, when visible tattoos were really not accepted yet, so that might give you a bit more insight into my state of mind at the time. I didn't have a lot of hope for myself or for my future. It's impossible for me to hide that experience at being in that point in my life when I was completely hopeless about my future, because it's right there in the open for everyone to see. At least that's how I perceive it. I also believe that it's not desirable for me to hide my experiences. This isn't a conclusion I came to overnight. I spent a lot of time trying to disguise myself as someone who I thought seemed more professional, or more social work-like, or just someone who was somehow better than I viewed myself. I would wear clothes that would make me feel uncomfortable, or try to change the way that I speak to present myself as someone different, who would have more professional credibility. It took me a long time, and quite a bit of therapy, to come to the understanding that my experiences have not made me any less worthy of a person, and it doesn't make me any less of a professional. There's no need to hide who I am and what I've experienced. In fact, by sharing the way I think and feel and understand the world, I've been able to help a lot of other people. I've always toyed with the idea of writing a book. I figure I've had a pretty interesting life so far, and maybe people would want to read about it. I'd given some thought to what I might want to say, whether to write its first or third person, and imagine some titles, but didn't actually take any meaningful steps to put pen to paper, figuratively speaking, since I do all of my work on my laptop. I had no idea how to actually start a book. I'd written lots of other things like reports, articles, and academic papers, but never a book. Opportunities tend to come from the strangest places though. I was absentmindedly scrolling through Instagram in late 2020 when I stumbled upon a random ad. Now, I don't actually pay much attention to ads on social media. I don't think most of us go on social media with the intention of looking at ads. This particular one caught my attention though. It was advertising a business called The Great Canadian Woman and offered an opportunity to be featured on a podcast. Obviously targeted ads were on point that day because I had just recently started my own podcast and the marketing strategies I had read about said that being featured on a larger, more established podcast was a great way to attract new listeners. So I clicked the ad. And I did some research on the great Canadian woman and read through their website to learn more about their mission and values to see if they aligned with my own and found that we seemed to be a pretty good match. So I filled out the application form to be on the podcast. I did end up being featured, and I'll include a link in the description so that you can listen to that episode if you want. But you might be wondering what exactly this story has to do with writing a book, though. Well, The Great Canadian Woman doesn't just run a podcast, they're actually a publishing company. They publish collaborative books written by Canadian women, and they were advertising a call for new authors to contribute to a book called The Great Canadian Woman, She is Strong and Free, 3. 
I love the concept of the book because it was all about women who have overcome obstacles and learned something important that they want to share with other women who might be facing their own challenges. I purchased the first iteration of the Great Canadian Woman, She is Strong and Free series, and I think that that description pretty perfectly sums up the series. So instead of trying to come up with my own, probably more poorly expressed description, I'm just going to read that description for you. The Great Canadian Woman is all of us. She is a single mother who provides for her children come hell or high water. She is the woman who has a dream and musters up enough courage to go after it. She is the woman who has quarreled in the depths of pain and grief and finds her way back home to herself. She is the woman who says no to what does not serve her. She is the woman who says enough is enough and commits to a new way of living. She is the woman who finds strength to leave toxic relationships. She is the woman who knows unconditional love. She is the woman who takes the lead and lights the torch. She is the woman who refuses to accept the limits that someone else has placed before her. She is the woman who knocks down doors and shatters glass ceilings. She is the woman who finds a way out, then turns around, extends her hand, and brings as many people as she can along with her. That description really hit home to me, and it made me want to be a part of the next book. So I talked it over with my partner, since this was going to be a big commitment, and we decided that it was the right time for me to dip my feet into the world of writing a book. I submitted an application and met with Shannon Miller, the incredible director of publishing, and was accepted to write as a co-author in the book. While writing a chapter in a book about myself is kind of indulgent, I also see this act as a part of my advocacy work. Storytelling and sharing personal experiences can be incredibly powerful. I've based my entire podcast on the basis of sharing stories and experiences because I believe in this idea so strongly instead of my guess. Since you're listening to this episode, it's probably a pretty good guess that you feel the same way. But if you need any more convincing on that, in Season 2, Episode 16, I feature Sandra, who's literally a storyteller. And in Episode 17, I talk to Olivia, who founded a not-for-profit organization called Institute for Change Leaders, which teaches people how to advocate for social change by using storytelling. So I definitely encourage you to listen to those episodes. Both Sandra and Olivia are talented storytellers, so if I'm not able to convince you about the power of stories, I think they will. Stories help us to connect to others about a cause we care about and move them to action to make a change. This is an essential part of advocacy, so to me, this chapter that I wrote is an extension of that change that I want to make in the world. That said, writing my chapter was an incredibly emotional experience because my story is deeply meaningful to me and I wanted to present it in a way that was going to be impactful to others. It's a vulnerable thing to put your experiences and emotions down on paper and immortalize them in writing that will be shared with the world. I was at times excited to share, but nervous about what others would think. Much of my story is about addictions and unhealthy relationships. I often wondered while writing if anyone would trust my credibility as a therapist after reading my story because of how many mistakes that I've made. But I always came back to the idea that my lived experience is an asset to my work as a social worker. My experiences have shaped how I understand the world and relate to other people. I have insights that other people who haven't had the same experiences just don't have. Those are good things, valuable things. They're what make me unique and have impacted my identity as a person and as a professional. Despite the fear and anxiety, I decided to write my story anyways. There's a really great quote from Brene Brown that goes, 
One day, you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through, and it will become someone else's survival guide. My hope is that by sharing my story, I'll be able to help someone else who is facing their own challenging experiences. I also hope that my story will help inspire empathy and move others to action to address issues in their own communities. All of that being said, you may have realized that the reason I'm putting this episode out now is because the book is being released for purchase. The Great Canadian Woman, She is Strong and Free 3, will be available for pre-sale starting Monday, May 10th, 2021 until May 23rd. Pre-ordering means that as soon as the books are printed and in my hands, I'll be able to get them into your hands to read as soon as possible, and you can get your book personally signed by me. The book is available for a flat rate of $35, which includes shipping within Canada. If you live in Toronto, or know myself or my family personally, and are interested in local delivery or pickup, please contact me directly using the email in the description so that we can discuss that possibility. If you live outside of Canada, please also contact me directly for a shipping price. Payments will be accepted via e-transfer. As my thanks to you, if you purchase during the pre-sale period, you'll also receive a discount code of 10% off for any Social Work Social podcast merchandise. You can find a link to pre-order in the description of this episode if you're listening during the pre-order period. If it's after the pre-order period, no worries, the book is still available and there'll be a new link to purchase the book directly. Please go ahead and follow me and the Social Work Social podcast on social media if you haven't already. We're on Facebook and Instagram. There you'll find information about all the weekly episodes and interviews, as well as occasionally information on personal projects I'm working on, like my chapter in this book. I've also included some links to ways you can get more information about the great Canadian woman overall. I've only given information on a small amount of the work they've done. They have published a number of collaborative books on different topics. They have a blog, they have workshops, and many other things, so check them out. They have another book coming out soon called The Great Canadian Woman, She Means Business, which is all about women entrepreneurs, which I personally plan to purchase because it sounds super cool. And if you would like to become a published author yourself, you can also reach out to me via email, and I'd be happy to provide any information you might be looking for. Finally, if you're not tired of hearing my voice yet, you can also check out my guest episode on the She Speaks podcast, where I talk more about my personal journey through therapy. I would not be at a point in my life where I felt able to share my story without having addressed my trauma in therapy, so that episode gives some insight about how I got to where I am today. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode and allowing me the opportunity to share one of my personal passion projects. Next week, we'll be returning to our regular interviews with an allied professional. Thanks for listening to The Social Work Social. By sharing information and stories, we hope that you will gain new knowledge and empathy for those who are different from you. All of us have unique backgrounds and experiences, but through our stories, we can learn to relate to one another. Our communities are currently facing extreme challenges, and we all have different strengths and skills that we bring to the table to help combat those challenges. Through working together, we can make a difference. I challenge you to go outside of your comfort zone to find an issue that you can lend your support. Tune in next Friday for another episode of The Social Work Social.